appreciate it. Yeah, we're, we're done. Good. You know, some people have a gift of taking that which is uh, big and then simplifying it into some easy statements to remember. And uh, one individual that has that ability, that gift, of course, is Jesus Christ. And I want you to take your Bibles and open them up to chapter 22. And in chapter 22, you will see how he can take something that is very uh, verbose, many words, and bring it down into something very succinct and very easy to remember. Um, so that is in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, and it's regarding the law, okay, it's regarding the law. Um, we're going to re- refer to this a little bit later in the message, but uh, the Jewish people have over 613 laws, that's the Jewish people, 613 laws that they're supposed to follow, okay, and... Uh, and so if you don't follow these laws to the nth degree, you're not a good Jewish follower of God. Uh, but anyhow, Jesus, he makes things simple for us. Rather than 613, he brings her down to two. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at verses 37 through 40. And, uh, and Jesus is being challenged. Here's a little background to our passage here. Jesus is being challenged by the religious elite, okay? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who consider themselves very spiritual. Well, anyhow, they are uh, trying to trip up Jesus. They're trying to discredit Jesus. They're trying to belittle him and make him look Uh, not very good in the eyes of the public. And so to do this, they have formulated some questions. They have crafted some questions to fire at Jesus, and they're hoping that he will be tripped up with these questions and he would lose uh, favor with the people. Well, anyhow, there are three questions that they fire at him. First of all, uh, they begin with the political, and uh, you remember the story. Uh, They were asking, who should we be paying Taxes to Caesars, that was the question that this religious elite asked. Should we be paying uh, taxes to Caesar? And then, of course, Jesus says, okay, give me a coin. And he says, whose image is on this coin? And they said, well, Caesar's image is on the coin. And Jesus says, well, give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar and give to God which belongs to God. So that was the first question that they asked to trip him up. It was a political question. Then they followed up with a uh, more of a uh, more of a, uh, a theological question. They had a theological question, and this came from the Sadducees. The Sadducees they did not believe in the resurrection, but they brought a, a crazy little story to Jesus, uh, and the, they were saying, you know, there's there's this lady who married, and then her husband passed away, and according to uh, law, the husband was to marry, or excuse me, the wife was to marry somebody else in the family, and, uh, and which she did, and of course, then he passed away and never had any children, and so she was supposed to marry another family member, all in the hopes of having children, but again, this husband passed away, and they did not have any children, so it happened seven times, okay, and so then the Sadducees say to Jesus, okay, in the end times, in, in the future in heaven, uh, which husband will be the legitimate husband to this lady? 
And, of course, Jesus says, well, you really don't understand God's word, do you? Because when you do get to heaven, there's no marriage in heaven, all right? So your, your, your particular question does not apply. So anyway, it was a theological question. Then they brought a question regarding the law, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. They're trying to stump him on the law. What law is the greatest, they ask him. And, of course, they think all laws are very important. So anyhow, he brings in... He addresses the law here. So here we are, chapter 22, looking at verses uh, 37 to 40, so follow along. So they bring the question, which commandment is the most important? Remember, they have 613 of them. Which one is the most important? Well, here's what Jesus does. He brings that which is kind of confusing and simplifies it so that we can remember. He says this, verse 37. Jesus replied to the question. He says, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he brings the 613, and he simplifies her down to just two. And... Uh, I appreciate that because I would hate to try and remember 613, and I'm guessing you would as well. But we're going to look at these commandments together, okay, these two commandments, love the Lord your God as well as love your neighbor as yourself. So I want to invite you to take a look at verse 37 now as we dive into the greatest commandment uh, that Jesus has given. Uh, we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and uh, what he does here in this verse, verse 37, he voices God's expectation for each one of our lives. And God's expectation for your life, as well as my life, is that we love God. That's the expectation. He wants us to love God. Remember, this is Jesus talking. He says, I want you to love God. That's the expectation. Secondly, Jesus follows uh, this expectation with a little comment on how to love him or, or the depth of our love towards God. And what does he say about our love? He says, well, I want your love. Uh, I want it to be from your heart. I want this love to be from your soul and your mind. That's the kind of love he is asking of each one of us. Now, let's just break that passage down a little bit even more. Let's look at the word love. Remember, we are to love God, that is the expectation. We are to love God. Now, the, the word love here is agape. Um, and what is significant about that? Well, agape love is often defined as covenant love. Covenant love. Now, you understand covenants. Um, if you uh, enter into a covenant, or let's say it's a handshake, and you shake hands with an individual and say, okay, this is our bargain, this is our covenant, I will do this, and you, in return, will do this for me. So you enter, enter into a covenant. Now, this covenant that you made with this individual has nothing to do with feelings, does it? You know, you're not saying, oh, I kind of feel like, uh, let's enter into this. No, you just look at the details, and you make a decision. It's a decision of your will. We agree to do these things. Well, anyhow, that's the kind of idea about this love that we are to have towards God, okay? It's not a love that's based on feeling, okay? We don't love God with some kind of 
ooshy-gooshy feeling. Rather, what we are doing is we need to enter into a covenant with God, a covenant that's based on love, not on feeling. And that's important to understand because typically when we, as a people, describe love, how do we describe love? We always seem to enter into the environment or the context of feeling, don't we? We describe love as a feeling. Well, I want you to understand here this morning when God says, I want you, here's my expectation, I want you to love God, he's not saying you need to be feeling this kind of love, okay? He's not talking about emotional feeling that, oh, I just love you, God, today. He's not asking of that of us. Rather, he's just wanting us to make a decision of the will that we're going to commit to being on God's side, okay, and supporting him. So that's what it's all about. Now, this particular love, this agape love, let me illustrate it further. For example, when a groom, you know, marries his bride and they exchange the vows, the vows go like this. The groom says to his bride, I take thee to be my wedded wife for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health till death do us part. When the bride, or excuse me, when the groom or even the bride exchange those words, okay, they're not expressing necessarily a feeling to their future spouse. Rather, they are making a covenant. They are making a commitment that they're going to hang in there with them, even when they're poor, even when there's illness involved. It's a commitment, okay? It's not based on a feeling at all. And God is saying, and Jesus is saying, okay, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I want you not to enter into some kind of ooshy-gooshy feeling. I want you to make a vow and a commitment to love me, is what he's asking, okay? So the expectation here is that we are to love God. Now, Jesus also shares with us the depth of one's love. Okay, we talked about the expectation, love God. Okay, now we want to talk about the depth of this love, the degree of this love. See, we are to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. So let's dig a little deeper here. Let's look at these, these adjectives to, that describe this love. First of all, love God with all your heart. What does that mean? Well, the heart refers to the core of a person's identity. Okay? That's the heart. The heart is the real you. What makes you up, okay? If you're artistic, I mean, that's part of your core identity. If you uh, are good with numbers, uh, that's part of your core identity. Um, and God is saying, I want, I want the real you to love me, okay? The real identity. I want the real you to love me. So love me with your heart, your core identity, who you really are, that which makes you up. I want that, that person, to love me. I don't want some fake. I don't want something that's hypocritical. Rather, I want the real you, warts and all. Okay, that, that opens the door for warts and all. I want the real you to love me. I want you to real you love me. So that is love the God with all your heart. So that heart is the core of a person's identity. Secondly, he says, love the God with all your soul. Now here, soul is referring to emotion. So God is saying, I want you to love me with your emotion. So in your pain, 
continued to love me. Remember, now this love is not a feeling. It, rather, it's a commitment. Okay? So in your commitment to me, even when you're going through difficulty and trouble, I want you to love me. That's the soul. The emotion. I want you to continue to love me. And when, when it's going great and you're experiencing God's favor and blessing and you're experiencing joy, he says, I want you in that moment to, continue, to love me in the joy. And it also goes for sorrow when we're down in the dumps. We've lost somebody special. In your sorrow, continue to love me. Love me with your soul, your emotion, when things are going well and when things are not. So that is second. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, your core identity. Love him with your soul, which is your emotion. Thirdly, love the God, your God with all your mind. That's the third one there, all your mind. And, of course, this love involves one's intellect. We, we love God through our thought process, okay, our thought process. So in our decisions, when we make a decision, we can make a decision not just to love God personally, but we can make a decision that will reflect our love for God. Are you following me on that? Okay. We're not, it's a little bit different than saying, okay, I make a decision to love God. It's a little bit different than, okay, I make a decision not to do this because I love God. Let's go back to Joseph's life. Remember Potiphar, the jailer, his wife was trying to seduce Joseph. And what did Joseph say to Potiphar's wife? He says, how can I do this? You know, commit this sin and uh, do this against my God, okay? So he, Joseph, had made a decision, okay? A decision of the mind not to violate his relationship with God or the relationship, other relationships that were there in that palace and so forth. So, and yeah, you love the Lord your God with all your mind. There's a decision process. Uh, our choices as well. We make choices. And the choice that we make is we make it because we want to honor God and that relationship. So, Jesus says, here's, we're going to sum up the Ten Commandments, if you will. We're going to sum up all 613 commands. It's really simple, he says. All I want you to do is love God. Love God with who you really are. Love God with, with your emotions, whether it's good or you're happy or sad. Love God. Continue to be committed to Him. And thirdly, love God with all your mind. A conscious decision uh, using our mind to love God. Okay? So God is inviting us to be all in, basically. He says, I want you. I want you all in. Jump in with both feet in your commitment to me. So love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now we move on here. There's a second part of the commandment. He says it's uh, the second greatest commandment. It's very much like the first, Jesus says. And that's in verse 39. So take a look at verse 39, Matthew 22, 39. Uh, in verse 39, Jesus shares that the second greatest commandment, which is like the first, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, we don't have problems loving self. That's usually pretty easy. But uh, loving others is a little difficulty. Do we have that? Uh, no? Okay. No. 
goes, no problem, no problem. Well, it was a little comic strip here. Let me just kind of describe it for you. There was a gentleman, his name is Kevin. He's in dialogue with Jesus. And uh, perhaps maybe Kevin is a prepper. I don't know. He's uh, saving all his, uh, he's, he's storing up food, you know, for the end. Uh, the end is going to come upon us and and it's going to be hard to find food and water, whatever it may be. So Kevin, he's maybe a prepper. He's uh, saving up food and stuff like that. And then Jesus kind of challenged him. So what about those who did not save any food? I'm, I'm guessing you'll probably share some of your storage uh, with them. And basically Kevin says, uh, well, that's their problem. If they haven't thought ahead to, you know, prepare for the end, you know, they're on their own, okay? Well, anyhow, I wanted, wanted to show with you with that particular uh, comic is, you know, where we're easy, it's easy to love ourselves. We, we're looking out for number one, which is us, you know. We look out for number one. Um, do you? Okay. So here's Kevin. He says, maybe if you live in an area prone to hurricanes, fires, tornadoes, earthquakes, or whatever, uh, you stay stocked up on emergency supplies. And then Jesus says, well, that's a cool plan, Kevin. Uh, since you're good to go, maybe you can find you can help others who aren't as prepared. And he says, "What? Yeah, get out there and fight the slackers, acting like rude fools? Nah, I'm hunkering down, Jesus. Well, you got the love yourself part down pretty good, Kev. We need to work on the your neighbor part. Yeah, your neighbor part. So that's who we are. Okay, Kevin represents us. We're quick to hunker down and focus on ourselves." But Jesus says, you know, what I really want is for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, remember, we talked about love, loving God, which was agape. It was just a covenant. It wasn't based on feeling. It's uh, making a decision to care for somebody, to uh, making a decision to want the best. And that's what it is here in loving your neighbor. It's the same word, agape. It's not, not based on feeling. I mean, according to Kevin's feeling here in this little uh, uh, comic, his feelings was tough luck for the people who didn't prepare. He didn't really give a hoot about the others. You know, so his decision was based on feeling. Well, God says, you know what I want you to do? I want you to get away from the feeling part, and I want you to uh, be more sacrificial. And uh, I want you to consider other people's needs uh, before yours. In fact, that's what uh, Philippians chapter 2 challenges to do. Here's what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And again, Philippians chapter 2 there, especially verse 4, is the greatest commandment. You know, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So Jesus, in a wonderful fashion, takes the Jewish law, which has umpteen many commands, and he's able to funnel it down into something very simple that we can remember. And so they're trying to trip him up, these religious leaders, asking him, what is the greatest command? And he says, well, here's the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And he says, and the second one is just about like it. The second greatest commandment is, Love your neighbor as yourself. So how does one put these 
commandments into practice, okay? So we know the expectation that God has placed on each of our lives, okay? Expectation is that we are to love God. The expectation, number two, is we need to love our neighbor. So how would you do that? What does it exactly look like to love God with that uh, commitment kind of love? What does it look like? What would be an example of loving your neighbor as yourself? What does that look like? Well, what it looks like, it looks like the Ten Commandments. Now, that's where we've been talking in the past number of weeks, talking about the Ten Commandments, really the Ten Opportunities. So let's look, let's reflect on the Ten Commandments. You're going to have to use your mind here, okay? Probably have to get some of those visual images that we were looking at and trying to memorize when it came to the Ten Commandments. But here, here, the first four of the Ten Commandments talk about loving God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What does that look like? How would you do that? Well, commandment number one says, you will have no other gods. Okay, that's commandment one. God will be first place. When you put God first place, you're loving God. Okay? Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself any graven image, okay? Or you shall not worship idols. That's commandment number two. So when you recognize that something has crept into your life and is taking more of a priority than God, well, then you got an image, okay? A graven image, an idol. And when you deal with that and say, hey, that's not right, then you're loving God. Commandment number three says, you shall not take the Lord God's name in vain. So when you're working on your language, okay, cleaning it up, you're loving God. And number four says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This morning, you're in church and your actions are loving God. Okay, because you have made the Sabbath day holy. So that's how we love God, you know, the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Well, number two, the second commandment was uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, what does that look like? Now we go back to the Ten Commandments. Commandment number five, well, honor your father and your mother. Okay, they're part of the neighbors. So when you honor your father and mother, you're Loving your neighbor. Uh, Commandment number six, do not kill. Okay? I think we get that one. Seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not lie. And then lastly, number ten, do not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Do not covet. So when we put those commandments into practice, not lying, not stealing, not coveting, we are practicing the greatest commandment, number two, of loving our neighbor as ourself. As ourself. Well, that brings us to the end, but before we come to the very end and, and uh, stop here this morning. Uh, one of the things, I tried to plant some seeds earlier in, in the series. We wanted to hear how your experiences went as you took on the opportunities, okay? And remember, with each commandment, we called it an opportunity. 
So in, in, instead of saying, you know, commandment number one, commandment number two, we called it opportunity one, opportunity two. Uh, the re- one of the reasons we got away from commands, because nobody likes to be commanded to do something. Don't do this, don't do that. Uh, but rather what these commandments really afforded us was opportunities to really honor God. And so we put together opportunities each week that corresponded with that commandment that we invited you to participate in, okay? So in commandments, so what I would like you to do, um, I would like you to maybe be brave and just share, okay, we did this particular exercise. We did this opportunity, and uh, this is what we learned. This is what this opportunity revealed, Okay, this is where we struggled with this opportunity. We just want you to be a little transparent. Just share with us, how did the opportunity go? So let's do that at this time. So again, I'm asking you to be brave. I'm asking you to share with us. But we, went, we had 10 opportunities. And so let's look at the first uh, four here. We're talking about God. Uh, one was, uh, number one, number one was, thou shall have no other gods before you. And so our opportunity, what we did, or your homework, was to read Exodus chapter 20 and answer some questions. And hopefully you were able to do that. I don't know if anybody wants to share about that. Uh, number two, commandment number two, you shall have no uh, graven images or you shall not form an idol for yourself. Our particular opportunity or assignment for that week was we were going to have a tech-free night. Do you remember that challenge? Tech-free night. So we were going to do without our our, our various technological devices. So does anybody have anything to say about that? Or uh, that one, or number three was, don't, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, our assignment was to have a potty mouth jar. And so we as a family, whatever we determined what that word was or words that we would not say or use in our family, and if you got caught using those words, you had to put some money in the potty mouth jar. Remember that assignment? Okay. And then number four was remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, that particular uh, commandment came right before we went out to uh, Bellamy's for our baptism and our potluck meal. And, of course, your, your assignment that time was to invite somebody to church and hopefully maybe take them with you out to Bellamy's. But anyhow, there's the four, first four commandments. Who has a story they can share with us? You participated in the assignment, whether it be the potty mouth jar or the uh, tech-free night. Um, you got a story for us to share? Anybody? Okay. No? Who's brave? I do have a couple plants. Now, you plants, are you in this one here, one through four? No? Okay, well, we can come back, all right? Let's press on. Number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, number five is honor your father and mother. We were to maybe write a letter to our parent, whether it be mom, dad, or mom and dad, just uh, just to write and honor them, just to encourage them, just to express your love for them. That was assignment number five for honoring your father and mother. How'd that go? Anybody? Okay. You guys didn't do anything, did you? Yeah. Yeah. 
awesome. Good job. Good job. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Did you guys kind of catch that? They were on vacation. They put all the cell phones in a box and said, hey, not on vacation. So that's good. Good job. Good job. Well, number six was do not kill. And uh, I can't even remember what our assignment was. It wasn't killing. Do you remember what our assignment was? Pro-life, exactly. exactly. Yeah, we were supposed to bring our loose, loose change, and we were going to give the change to the local chapter here in Goodland, uh, Kansans for Life. And Kansans for Life are looking to open up an office so that uh, somebody who is pregnant looking for assistance and help can go to this place and get some assistance and help, of course. And Ultimately, they would like to have, what do you call that machine? Uh, ultrasound machine to at this site here in Goodland. So, just to let you know what's coming your way, they're working on that. In fact, Monday night, they're going to be looking at an f- office place to do this, see if that might be the place. So, I'm just telling you, things are happening. Okay, that's do not kill. Do not commit adultery. That was date night. Take our spouses on a date. Anybody got anything to say about that? No? Okay. The other one was number eight, do not steal. Uh, our assignment, the opportunity was to do something good for our neighbors. You know, bring a plate of cookies or something like that. Uh, or, you know, just to do something, reach out to the neighbor. Anybody have a story there? Okay. Number nine. Or eight. Do not, no, okay, number nine. Do not lie. That was game night. That was a family game night. No cheating. Anybody do that? How'd it go? Okay. All right. And then lastly, number 10, do not covet. And, of course, that was desiring the things of others. Um, and I can't remember. What's that? Oh, yeah, Genesis Drive. We uh, brought uh, food for Genesis. So that's what we did. Uh, for Instead of coveting, we brought and to give food to Genesis. So... So those were the opportunities that we just jumped up that came from the Ten Commandments. Okay, anything here? You guys got a story to say or anything? Okay. All righty. Okay. <laughs> we give these assignments for reasons, okay? So I don't look like a dummy up here, all right? Good. But we do have one. Perry, uh, he, did, uh, he took on the uh, challenge for pro-life. You know, thou shalt not kill, and so we're, are, we focused on pro-life, and, and I'll just let you share a little bit more about that, and then we'll close after yours. now I think there we go I don't know 
probably most of you don't know that I was a minister for a while before we came here and uh, ministered a lot to kids. That's why I have seven grandkids. <laughs> Actually, I didn't have them, but God <laughs> gave them to me. That was a joke, by the way. Um, I don't know if I intentionally did this to uh, celebrate uh, Thou Shalt Not Kill or to respond to that opportunity, but the Lord laid on my heart to come up with a song um, for uh, for life, I guess if you'd call it that. Um, I've been impressed with how many gals are expecting babies, and I know in the school district there's quite a number, and whenever I see an expecting mother going down the hall, I think to myself, that's a miracle, a gift from God, and I'm just going to share a verse here out of Psalms 139, 13 through 16. And by the way, if you think up a application to an opportunity while I'm up here, uh, you can still share that. Uh, but this is, uh, this is what these verses say. It says, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. It's a lot of deep theology there when it comes to life, but essentially what that means, before we were even born, God had a plan for us to exist. And so when you hear that phrase, your eyes saw my unformed substance, uh, in my mind I'm thinking God planned each one of us. None of us are mistakes. And I believe that upon conception, we, our bodies have a soul. And even though there may not even be a heartbeat, God hears and knows of that person in the womb. And so... Uh, I actually originally meant this to be a worship song, but then it kind of grew into, I guess, a pro-life song. But one of the things I like to do is kind of have a tapping sound to my music, and I'm a little shaky right now, so I might be tapping a little bit off. But this is called Jesus Hears the Heart Beating for the Soul. Jesus Hears the Heart Beating for the Soul even though we cannot see, he is in control. Jesus is the love, pouring down like rain. He's making us white as snow and taking all our shame. Jesus is our hope, to him we can cling, making us a place to live. For all eternity, Jesus is our peace. He's taking on our fears. Jesus is our joy. He wipes away the tears. We can trust in him. He'll never leave us. We can stand upon the promises he gives. He is Lord of all and King, so we can believe Him. 
Just take one step. Just take one step. Jesus hears the heart beating for the soul. Even though we cannot see, he is in control. Jesus is the love pouring down like rain. He's making us white as snow and taking all the shame. Jesus hears the heart beating for the soul. Even though we cannot see, he is in control. Jesus is love pouring down like rain. He's making us white as snow and taking all our shame. He's making us white as snow and taking all the shame. Thanks. So Pastor Brian asked if I would close us in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we've had this morning to worship you. Lord, I pray if there's a hurting heart here that is uh, longing for you, that needs you, uh, that you will impress on their heart that they can find hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that no one will leave this room uh, hopeless or helpless, but to know that they can take that first step of faith today. Lord, thank you for the fellowship we've had. Thank you for the food that was provided Thank you, Lord, that we can worship you, and you are truly an awesome God. I pray you'll bless us now as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen.